Is It Transphobic? will be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny. We may also address issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language. So listener discretion is advised. This episode was edited by Vivian Aladrin. Hello again, ladies, gentlemen, and those who do not identify along the gender binary. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers, and I am the producer of the Is It Transphobic podcast. Uh, For today's episode, we have actually split it into two parts because we had so much to talk about the Danish girl. So much. Uh, So that is going to take up all of January. Since it is now 2017... I thought it would be kind of cool if I made a little resolution for the Is It Transphobic podcast. Now, if you know me, you know that I like to think big. So, in thinking big, for the Is It Transphobic podcast in 2017 until 2018, it is going to be my goal to get a major actor from a major film who has portrayed a trans individual but does not identify as trans. That's right, folks. I want to get someone who has portrayed a trans individual, a cis individual who has portrayed a trans individual, onto the show for probably a mini-episode. That way we're not taking away from the spirit of the show where a bunch of trans and non-binary folk sit around, watch a movie, and then discuss it. But I want to talk to them about their method. I want to invite them on the show. This is not going to be an attack, but by no means will we let you off the hook either. This is a real discussion that I want to have with someone about the process, about how you got into it, what was the reasoning, where uh, were some places that maybe you questioned whether you should do this or not. I really want this to happen. So if you can help me achieve this goal anytime between now and the end of the year, Hit me up at isittransphobic at gmail.com. Now, if you have any questions or if you have any uh, comments or anything else, feel free to do that as well. Shoot me an email there, isittransphobic at gmail.com. Looking for anyone from Lee Schreiber to, uh, I mean, hell, I'll have Jared Leto on here. I'll talk to him. Why not? But isittransphobic at gmail.com. Now, we have a couple of shout-outs, specifically some shows that are coming up which feature folks who have been in the uh, podcast before. Specifically, Ian Stewart has a show coming up. Uh, The show is called In Theory. And the show is Growing Up is supposed to mean forgetting the past. Adulthood is supposed to be a rite of passage. Learning the language of your trauma is supposed to mean you can move on from it. But what happens when the whole world seems to thrive on the structural violence that eroded your family? What does it mean to acknowledge that maybe your entire lineage is a history of trauma? And what happens when the people you've been refuse to be left behind? In Theory is a dance and spoken word fusion exploring how social justice theory applies to the way we live whilst coping with trauma. It's starring Jackie Torres and Ian Field Stewart, who you will remember from the podcast. Being produced by Cracked Binding, and it has some showings at the Wow Theater Cafe on 5169 East 4th Street. Bell number six, floor four, which I know sounds super complicated, but trust me, I'll put it in the description. Uh, And that's happening from January 10th through January 15th. 
So there are seven different ways to experience the show, uh, including some that have workshops, some with some burlesque. Uh, I'll go ahead and put all that info up on uh, the website and so that way you can see it and as a listener to this podcast you can absolutely get 35% off the original price of the ticket that's 35% off Uh, all you have to do is enter the discount code in theory in trans all one word and yeah so that's pretty nice 35% off in theory in trans all one word and yesterday opened the Dirty Blondes new production, The Resistor Project, uh, which is all about performances inspired by the election. And uh, it's going to be a good time. There's a lot of short pieces, and there's two different shows. It's this weekend, January 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, as well as next week, Thursday, January 12th, Friday the 13th, the 14th, and the 15th, all at 7 p.m., and tickets are $15 each. I have a piece in there, a one-person piece called Fight or Flight, which friend of the show and panelist Bear Spiegel will be performing. Uh, Now, they will be performing January 12th through the 15th, so if you want to come see that show specifically, come on out next week. It'll be a good time. And all proceeds from this go to the American Civil Liberties Union. So you're not only going to see some really amazing new theater, you're also going to be supporting supporting a great organization. One final thing you are listening to right now, a uh, really intriguing song by a uh, performer called Taverja. Uh, It's called Our Thong's Comfortable. And all of the things that uh, Taverja is saying Uh, are things that were sent to her without her consent on the internet. Uh, So you can find that Our Thongs Comfortable by Taverja, T-A-V-E-R-S-I-A. That's on YouTube. And yeah, you can download the song for free, soundcloud.com slash Taverja or taverja.bandcamp.com. And so I think that about does it. Uh, So here is The Danish Girl starring Eddie Redmayne, and uh, just as a fair warning, at some point we talk a lot about Eddie Redmayne's wang. Like, a lot. (laughs) It's just because it's such a prominent part of the movie. So, if you don't want to listen to it, just FYI, it'll come up and we really don't let go. (laughs) It doesn't come until near the end. So, I hope you enjoy The Danish Girl. It may have been nominated for an Academy Award, and Eddie Redmayne may... Put his clothing on through osmosis, but today we're asking, is the Danish girl transphobic? Uh, my name, of course, is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I use she, her pronouns, and today I'm being joined by... My name is Ian Field Stewart. I use they, them, their pronouns. My name is Kaya Nassol, and I use they, them, their pronouns and Faye Fair Fair's pronouns. And my name is Vivian Aladren, and I use uh, she, her pronouns. All right, fantastic. Uh, So let's start it off. We usually kind of sum up the movie before uh, anything else. Um, Did any of us do any research prior to the movie about uh, Lila Elb? Did did any of us know who Lila Elb was prior to going in? I read the Wikipedia, so (laughs) kind (laughs) of. I actually did a lot of research. Um, I did a little bit beforehand just to kind of, uh, because I knew it was about a real person. um, You know, I'm curious. Uh, And then after the movie, uh, almost therapeutically, I went on kind of a research bender just to see if I can understand the story better. Mm. Um, So, 
Um, I actually saw the film the night that it opened by accident. I just went, I was like, went to my, with my mom and I was like, let's go see the Danish girl. And I thought that it had been out for a while and then learned that it was the night of the opening night. And then after that, um, learned more about Lily. And prior to this, I thought that, um, Christine, Christine Jorgensen was the first. Um, and so I had done, I've done lots of research on Christine, but not as much on Lily. Mm. Cool. Uh, on my end, no, I had no idea who Lily Elb was uh, until <laughs> until I heard that Eddie Redmayne was playing them, and then I was like, oh, okay, what is this? And um, even then, like, I didn't really do a lot of research. I really uh, just kind of wanted to put this movie away and not even deal with it. And then um, we said, hey, let's do this one for Is It Transphobic? So here we are. Uh, so I want to know what your impressions were when you saw this. Uh, Ian, why don't you start? <laughs> You're putting me on the spot. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so I, I've been thinking a lot about this particular film when I saw it on the list. I really wanted to be involved, and so thank you for allowing me to be on it. Um, I, I actually really do love The Danish Girl. It spoke to me deeply um not as much now but when i first saw it it really spoke spoke to me and moved me um and as i've been thinking about the film and recognizing kind of what where my um my fellow panelists are probably going to be coming from and where many people do come from with this film and rightly so um i knew that there would be a different impression and i think the reason that i it speaks to me so much is that um at the time i didn't identify as gender non-conforming i've been gender non-conforming expressive for a very long time but um, hadn't found the language and the identity within my body and my identity um, until very, until fairly recently. Um, and so I think that it spoke to me because I, I think that this film is um, not meant for us, right? And um, I actually, I think that this film is like a, a landmark in cis people's journey to learn to love us. And I think that's what I, and so I think that in that way, it served for me as a gateway in learning to love myself because it's a film it's not a film about us it's not a film about lily i don't think i mean they use in 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 its service to the trans community i don't believe that it's actually a film for us it is for cis people in their um as i said in their journey to to love us and accept us and so i think that this film at the time came to me and served as a way for me to say i connected with so much of the body dysmorphia in this so strongly. Why is that? And that opened a door for me to explore myself. Um, so I think that's why I love the film, um, while also recognizing now as a person who's been involved in the community for a lot longer, um, the implications that are involved in casting Eddie Redmayne and in the ways that it handles transness. So that's kind of my initial impression. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, why don't we move over to V? What's oh your initial impression of this movie? Um, okay, so uh, my initial impression, like before I came into this movie, I was pretty certain that I had a, I had it like under wraps. I kind of just knew exactly how it was going to go down. It was going to be very pretty. It was going to be very well acted. Um, but it's just going to be this one kind of sticking point of like, yeah, but, you know, cisgender man playing a trans woman is bad, and we all know that, and we all shouldn't be, you know, doing that. And I was actually a little bit wor uh, worried before going into this because um, I was afraid that the podcast was only going to have that one point to talk about. And then I actually saw the movie, and um, it's still a little fresh. Like, my one regret in this uh, process is that I didn't see it with more time um, because it feels like there's certain parts of this that haven't quite, like, I'm not quite done processing yet, but it 
hit me in such a violent way. Like, um, I mean, I don't need, I don't mean to be like gratuitous or like shocking or whatever, but I've like cried on and off, like pretty much since I've been, since I finished watching it. Like I've cried like two or three times this morning and like two or three times last night. And like, I've been a wreck because of this thing. And it's like a mix of anger and like sadness. And I feel really awkward because you had a really poignant thing about that. And that's really great. But like my own experience is very much different. And I think um, I think that's great. I think that's yeah. exactly that's why I wanted to be on it because I know that there are a very variety of experiences. Yeah. So like, we're coming from from completely different angles, and that's fantastic. Awesome. Thank you, V. No uh, and yeah. Kaya, what, what were your first impressions <laughs> oh. uh, watching this? I was very uh, involved with the bashing of the movie right when it originally came out, mm. um, just because. I mean, even before that, we heard Eddie Redmayne was playing a real trans woman, and me and my community around me were furious. So my memory of when the movie came out was just being angry and, like, tons of Facebook statuses about, like, fuck Eddie Redmayne. Um, When I actually came into the movie, I felt like I was expecting a lot of you know, cis-normative bullshit being put on a trans person. Um, And then after a little bit, I was kind of... I had high hopes when, like, the first bit of the movie was very subtle about, like, pushing that towards you. Like, you might not notice it. If you came into the movie not knowing that this is supposed to be about a trans person, you would just be like, oh, this person's just kind of... just likes that. (laughs) Um, And then... I think uh, it's like halfway through the movie, I feel like. There's the scene where uh, Gerda is painting Lily, Mm. and it feels so iconic of like a, wow, this movie's like really artistic, and then just plummets. And it's just shit for the rest of the movie of like awkward, fake trans experience of like, these people that might not have even read the biography of Lily Alba. Um, It just felt awkward to me. Can I ask what it was about the painting scene that got you? I think it was... I, I feel like, because my original experience with transness was, you know, uh, perceived cis man cross-dressing mm-hmm. with a friend. And it was, you know, joking, having fun or whatever. And then me being like, fuck, what's going on? Um, so I I could relate to it, but it just didn't feel real. Like, it didn't feel like a real reaction to how, like, I remember feeling it it didn't speak to me as a trans person that that was a trans person experiencing it. It spoke to me as a cis person who read an article and was like, this is what this looks like. I know what this looks like. Mm. And that kind of felt like what the whole movie was. Um, I I know I was more than anything and when that scene happened i really expected it to be how the movie went um because i didn't know that 
Gerda was kind of created to be like this super heterosexual character Mm. that she wasn't in real life. And I was very excited. (laughs) I was very excited to see the, the queer Gerda on screen being like the super supportive character and then everyone else just being shitty. I was ready for that. And then when other characters were not so shitty and Gerda was shitty, I was just kind of blown away and I didn't really understand where the movie was going. Yeah. I mean, I, I had a similar experience uh, when I first heard Eddie Redmayne was playing this character. It was just like, Ugh. but uh, I'm kind of at the point where I'm not going to say that I've moved past it because I haven't moved past all of this, but at the same time, I definitely felt like I was just like, all right, I've heard this before. I'm going to say that this is bullshit and then I'm just going to, I got other things to do in my life. Um, and then I found out uh, after a lot of the initial blowback, that there were two trans actors that were put into the film uh, that specifically so that they can start saying there are trans actors that have been in major Hollywood films. You do not have an excuse not to put trans people in films, particularly mm. tr- like about trans people, which is still problematic because it's still Eddie Redmayne playing this character. But I started to soften a lot on my like hard edge of that because it was like, all right, well, this exists. Uh, and admittedly seeing it now, it was just kind of like, Oh, well, we're seeing this trans character. They don't really have lines. Like both of these characters don't really have yeah. many lines. If any, were I'm they trying... playing trans characters? No. Well, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Cause I don't remember seeing. Well, <laughs> because they didn't speak. It's hard to say that. Cause one right. of them was uh, one of the nurses and they definitely like they definitely made they a shot conscious, of her. yeah they made a conscious decision to make sure they had a very good shot of her mm-hmm. uh, and i believe i want to double check this and i want to fact check this but i believe also uh one of the people that was uh checking out lily when lily first showed up as lily uh one of the people sitting in the chairs kind of looking her in over in the park uh no in the at the ball at the the dance oh. thing oh uh one of them was a trans man Oh, fabulous. Yeah. I remember what yep. you're talking about, yeah. And so from a Hollywood political level, I'm in favor of this happening, but at the same time it was just like, oh, you couldn't even give them a freaking line? But okay, whatever. Um, and then also now watching it, I just... I was mixed nuts level of board during no. this freaking movie. <laughs> Not mixed nuts. It was like for it was different because God, this was pretty, but <laughs> God, this should have been ninety minutes. Like this yeah. did not. And yeah. part of that is it's because the director Tom Hooper does a lot of visually stunning pieces. He did Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. He did uh, the King's Speech. He did like this is absolutely in his style. But fuck this movie! <laughs> How long boring. was the movie? Two hours. Two hours. Fuck, yeah. God. I, I was really drunk when I watched it, yeah. so I don't really remember. <laughs> I, I want to connect was. with you on this because. So I started with a vodka and Sprite, and then I stupidly left the vodka in the kitchen, and my roommate was nice enough to come in and hand me the bottle of vodka when she found out that I was watching The Danish Girl. And <laughs> so then it went from vodka and Sprite to vodka and ice, and then just vodka and vodka. But I'm curious, what were you drinking uh, while you were watching The Danish Girl, Kaya? Um, well, I was making a, uh, a bizarre rum and egg cocktail. Whoa, uh, okay. Um, 
And lucky for me, I could see the movie from where I was making the cocktail, so I you, never you ran really, out. So you were doing things as this was... Yeah, I definitely ran through my bottle of rum during the movie. <laughs> I mean, I, I just... I spent a while, um, I actually spent a while uh, kind of multitasking myself, just like, yeah, whatever, I'll listen to it. And, uh, um, but eventually I kind of had to pay more attention to it, and I probably should have been drinking um <laughs> like i would I, suggest I, it. I, I had i had rum and coke downstairs like i i could have i could have been on that mm. <laughs> that's okay you know i just i feel like it was a lot easier to take while drinking and also with someone <laughs> who who also just did not want to be there like uh -oh. my roommate my roommate did not want to watch this my roommate was just like no like there's no reason to watch this why are you watching it it was like i'm doing it for the podcast it was like why <laughs> just like because I have to. Because <laughs> like, things. Yeah, it's like, Ashley, you're the one that assigns these things. It's like, yeah, but we gotta. Yeah. And this, <laughs> this movie of all like weird transphobic things that I've watched, I was really happy to have another person sitting with me yeah. that like wasn't going through the pain of seeing mm -hmm. whatever was going on the screen and could just be like, no, you got to keep watching it. Yeah. Like it definitely helps me actually sit down and watch it. Mm. I got to say, I maybe was all ten, alone. <laughs> I got to say maybe 10 minutes in my immediate response was this entire movie, uh, is just a, uh, what did I say? It was a, fe uh, forced feminization, uh, fantasy movie and yeah. like beautifully shot, incredibly mm. shot forced feminization fantasy movie. If I had known that's what I was walking into specifically, which I kind of like, I'd read a review saying that. Yeah. So I, I will freely admit to having come in with some preconceived notions like that. But at the same time, it's just like immediately, it's like, I see this. Like the entire thing with Eddie Redmayne just like touching everything yeah. constantly. And I feel like I, I understand the <laughs> idea of like touching fabric and like people that are kinesthetic, like really needing to touch things, but it's just like, it came off as like a kink. Yeah. For a lot of the movie. Mm -hmm. And that made that me uncomfortable. That is so interesting. I totally, I'm totally the opposite. Cause I feel like whenever really? I go through a costume shop, I always do that. Maybe it's just that I'm a really fucking dramatic person. That's why I connect <laughs> with this. Like, I feel like that's the narrative that I'm going to be coming from. But no, I, I, I read, I read that as, I actually, my, what I wrote down 10 minutes into the film after seeing that was like, I was, I appreciated that that was present, mm. that Lily was present. Like, it wasn't like some, it wasn't that, you know, like something happened and there was this traumatic event and all of a sudden things shifted. It wasn't that, mm. it wasn't that there, it was that Lily was present throughout the film, right? That like, or that from, from the get go, like we saw elements of Lily and, and Lily's like, and yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm a person who's just like, I walk by costumes and I'm just like, I just like drape along or anything like that. I like mm. to feel the fabrics and I, and I'm, and maybe maybe that is the why I connect to it, just because I'm dramatic and love that kind of stuff. <laughs> mm. But yeah, that that read to me as um, that read to me as um, a, a moment of recognizing that this is something that was always present. It wasn't just like, and it wasn't that this person knew who they were and was hiding. It was that this person had certain attributes that were just that were that, and they happened to be in a partnership that allowed them the space to be many different things. And so they never were taught to demonize that until they realized that there was something wrong. And then they felt that they had to. And then I see the kind of the forced feminization, that aspect of it is like, well, I feel that I'm a woman, so I have to transition in this particular way. And, that, and that's where I saw that narrative. Mm. But prior to that, it felt like, well, these, these are just part of this person. 
and this person was just able to exist as a person until it became, and I, I guess that connected to me as far as I felt that I was able to, I was comfortable identifying as a cisgender person until it became very, until, in a, until it became very clear to me that that was no longer how I could walk through the world and expect to be received in a positive way or expect to be treated the way I needed to be treated. So it's like, I needed to make, lay claim to and name who I was and name what my body was so that people would interact with me differently. Mm. Well, now, Anne, because you, you just brought up their, their relationship as well, and at Okaya, you brought up their relationship in, in the movie. Um, I wonder if we can focus on their relationship, because I almost feel like the first three quarters of the movie is, like, uh, her name left absolutely Gerda. 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 Like, Gerda just felt almost like she danced between jealous, which, okay, mm-hmm. some of it I kind of got, but, like, it danced between jealous and just serious like dom but it never really I, I just felt like it was kind of inconsistent like i wonder if if any of you picked up yeah anything absolutely like, like one of the first things right out the bat is um actually like one of the few positive things that i had very early on in the movie is um there's a scene between like her and some guy whatever um and he's like oh you're a painter uh, the man modeling like, yeah, for her you need mm-hmm. to sit and like that's sort of like power dynamic and like i was like yeah i'm on board with gerda okay mm-hmm. yeah i'm cool yeah. me so and my partner like, both noticed that um you know she had this very commanding thing she wore um correct me if i'm wrong she wore like boots around the house like she had like this kind of dominating like really compelling presence um and for a while it looked like you know this movie is going to turn into like her being like the number one supporter of Lily. And yeah. I was completely... And, you know, I was talking before uh, we recorded about, like, how there was some aesthetic kind of um, imagery stuff that I kind of picked up on that I wanted to talk about, and I'll get into that probably later. Um, but, like, there's scenes of her, like, sitting around where she's just surrounded by paintings of naked women. Like, and mm. it just felt like something she owned. Mm. And I was really excited to learn more about you know, the journey, not just of Lily becoming uh, authentically who she is or whatever you, however you frame that, whatever, Mm. Um, but also, like, Gerda's discovery or Gerda's, like, you know, public realization of, you know, her sexuality and her interests. Um, Especially because, and I was watching this on HBO Go, um, it said that one of the things that this film explores is sexual identity. And I was like, okay, I'm ready, I'm here to see that, like, what is this? And instead of what I was expecting, which is, um, you know, two women who fall in love with each other on one pretense of uh, one person's identity and, like, upon a discovery of a person's identity, like, fall in love with each other all over again, uh, which is kind of historically what happened. Um, Instead, we had two women kind of flightily, like, enter heteronormative ridiculousness. Like, she kissed a guy, Lily kissed a guy, she got jealous at Lily, Lily got jealous at her. It's like something out of, like, like a 50s sitcom or something. The kissing of Lily, it was Lily's, like, childhood friend, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was all just, like, revenge. Like, that's how that felt. She was mad at Lily, so she kissed her childhood friend. Yeah. I I also um the, I the quote that I like from that scene with the with the model um uh, I love the line of um it's hard for a man to submit to a woman's gaze 
And I think I think I loved I and I think I think that that's kind of her through line felt very clear to me as far as she was very interested not so much in maybe maybe Dom maybe not but it felt more that that um, Gerda was very in, invested in um, gender play both within her relationships with people and her and her and her intimate relationship mm. and so I think that something I appreciated in the film was as, as I read it was. Um, when she discovers um, Lily wearing the uh, the slip, mm. that that became a moment of that that could have been a very different moment. Mm. It could have been a moment. It could, and I and I think what we would tip, what we have typically seen is um, a cis person saying you know like rejecting that or being shocked by it. Mm. And she wasn't shocked by it. It was like oh. I wasn't expecting that, but it, it, I don't even think she had that kind of moment. It was just like, I wasn't expecting that, but this is, but this is clearly making you happy in some way. You're invested in this. And it's like, I'm, 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 a, I'm stripping away this, literally stripping away these other clothes that you're clearly not like invested in and, and may, and making love to you, having sex with you, interacting with your body in the way that you have chosen to dress it, which is, which is a part of me. And so it felt like there was a, this was a sharing relationship. I agree that as the film progresses, we do see moments of her um, that are kind of messy and kind of... Um, and, and sometimes, I think, authentically and successfully, and other times that feels very much like okay, cis people, you have cis producers, right? Yeah, um, it felt I, like poor writing. Yeah, at, at times, yeah. absolutely, yeah. I, I don't want to jump away from this conversation, but there was something you said that I thought was really interesting regarding um, the casting of trans people in the show, mm-hmm. um, in the movie, for the purpose of um, getting them into Hollywood. And I, it, it makes me kind of ask the question of, you know, we we talk about, you know, getting trans people into the room. And I felt that there were some trans people in the room, Mm. but uh, what we don't always talk about is the fact that there are cis people producing this work and there are cis people still running the studios and running it in this way. And and that conversation happens, but it, it makes me wonder, you know, it makes as far as like asking the question of, is it transphobic? And I think because this is the podcast, we're thinking of it in this way. Mm. It makes me wonder, you know, what, at what who can we call transphobic you know we can because i wonder like what the director would have to say like because looking at also the history of like people of color which there was literally one person mm. in the, this one black person or a person of color in general i felt in this film but mm. um you know as far as like seeing like people of color in hollywood and how those narratives are handled i feel like often what we have is you know you make concessions and you, you have to, you have to strip away to basically nothing in an effort to move the dial forward. And that narrative is perpetuated to us. And I'm not necessarily a big proponent of that. Cause I, I like to just like break the dial, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, I, I think it is, it, it just, it just raises a question. It raises a couple questions for me about, you know, who can we hold accountable to the decisions of casting these people and casting them in non-speaking roles? And what is the efficacy of that? You know, um, but yes, let's also return now to what we were talking about before, um, <laughs> mm. regarding the relationships between Lily and Gerda. Yeah, I mean, I just, I don't know, I feel almost like this movie itself wanted to be a number of different movies, 
Like, it, yeah. it felt like, particularly, honestly, if they had focused on that last quarter of the movie, and there were some issues, like, A, that would also be an issue because it's focusing specifically, like, the last quarter is on focusing surgery. on the surgery, which is problematic to just focus on the surgery. But at the same time, I feel like the movie that they were showing was way more compelling by that point, because Gerda and uh, Lily, yeah, they had some, like, there were some issues that were brought up, but, like, it it just felt more compelling. It felt more interesting. Hold on. I had a I had a note because it was just like, man, there was just this one moment where it was just like, yes, this worked. And just that idea of them trying to actually understand each other felt more like the movie. It felt more like the heart of the movie than... Whatever, like, and I realize there's an extent that you've got to build up their relationship, but I don't think they did a good job building up their relationship up to that point. To be no, honest, no. I mean, I think at first they really did, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, but then it felt like the writing changed, and it turned into like a cis fantasy, awkward, like fetishy, weird movie. And can then we, can the we end... name when that was? I just, I'm mm. as far as like, can we just name when that was? Mm. Or I, was there a point really? I. I think it was just a gradual thing, but I think yeah. the first time where it happened was um, the party that they went to, mm. yeah, where yeah. Lily mm. goes so once off. Gone and to I Paris, think, once they've gone to France, yes, um, yeah, oh, was it I Paris think already? the Wait. yeah, okay, I think that's just after they went to Paris, right? I or thought France. The, so the, there are kind of two. Like the, the, the party, party scene. There's a party scene where Lily first appears as Lily, and then there's the party scene where it's Gerda's opening, and Lily and, isn't present. Or is present for a moment, one of them. The first party scene oh, is okay. where I really started to notice it. Okay. Um, because I don't think that the person that she ran off and kissed was real. I don't think that's a person that ever existed. Oh, real Probably person? No. Like, historically speaking. Okay. Yeah. Not, well, like, in Lily's head. No, that actually happened in the movie. That right. Says, yeah, there's no question, but yeah, historically. Right. Okay. Well, the, I think <laughs> the issue is <clears throat> Lily and Gerda separated towards the end of Lily's life, honestly. Mm. Um, and Lily married a cis man. But I guess they didn't want to go down that route, so they decided to kind of sprinkle that through the film instead of putting it at the end. Mm. Which I think would have been a better movie to give Lily this nice relationship, but then show that's <laughs> not actually what Lily wanted, regardless of if it's what Gerda wanted. Mm. Um... But yeah, I, I felt like it was originally going towards the real story and like following their actual relationship dynamic that I was really into and I was happy about that. But then it just shifted and wasn't that anymore. Can we talk a little bit about what their um what historically Lillian Gerda's relationship is? Because I think that I, I don't I'm not as well versed. I know that there was right. a lot of it was a very supportive relationship, but I didn't know, for example, that they had broken up and then at the end of her life, uh near the end of her life, she had married a cis man. So. Well, okay, so historically, as far as I understand it, um, they were married all the way up until um, uh, Lily publicly transitioned, in which case uh, the marriage was dissolved. Um, they remained in contact, as far as I'm aware, uh, all the way up until the end of her life. She had intentions to marry somebody, um, but before they could actually get married, um, she suffered uh, from compl uh, from complications uh, involving one of the final surgeries that she was uh, involved with and it's actually a point that I really wanted to get out in the movie because it was something that 
um, like one personally very like hit me very very hard um, but in the movie uh, Lily goes through two surgeries um, and I guess before I say anything just a heads up like this could get graphic and I'm gonna talk about medical stuff for a moment uh, so if that's uncomfortable for anyone listening anyone here anyone at home um, you know just trigger warning yeah watch out um, <laughs> So uh, the first surgery, as far as I understand, was the removal of the male genitalia, mm-hmm. and then uh, once she recovered, it would be the construction of the vagina as far as the movie laid it out. Yeah. And she survived the first one, and then she died uh, after having the second. Mm-hmm. Um, but in actual historical... I'm clipping the mic. Um, but in actual, like, uh, in the actual history of this character... Um, she went through, I believe, three or four different surgeries, um, and she survived uh, the removal of the male parts, the construction of the vagina. Um, most of these surgeries, surgeries that um, are kind of common practice within, uh, you know, the trans people, uh, trans community who elect to go through uh, surgeries, um, and the one that actually uh, caused her to die was a very er- experimental um, uterus transplant. Uh, in which the uterus wow. then uh, was rejected by the body, and she suffered cardiac arrest and died. See, which... that's the really interesting thing about the movie to me, is because I felt like the scenes at the hospital might have been shot before they had finished earlier scenes in the movie. Hmm. Because in one of the scenes, Lily's talking to someone else who's at this hospital, and the person asks... After the surgery, are you going to be able to have kids? Not knowing that Lily is a trans woman. Mm. Um, And Lily says, I don't know. And I think it was maybe or I hope so or something like Mm. that. But it was very clear to me. And I thought she was going to go through the whole uterine transplant. Um, It was very clear to me that that was the plan when that was shot. And then Mm. obviously when you get to the other scenes with the hospital, that wasn't the plan, and that's not what they went with. Mm. Um, and I thought that was really awkward and sloppy. I agree, 100%, because that was, because especially hearing, because I know that was one of the things that um, uh, my roommate and I were kind of researching last night afterwards, was like, wait, how did she die? Because, uh, truth be told, again, I didn't do a lot of historical research, so we thought they were going to survive. We were just like, yeah, everybody's going to survive and it's just going to be like, all right, they're, they're fighting. So they're probably not going to be together, but they're going to survive. And it was just like, Oh, I didn't expect that. Uh, but the other thing, like, especially where they're building up the, like, are you going to be able to have a baby? Are you going to be able to have a baby type of thing? Like, Oh, maybe I hope to. And that's just kind of like jumped, dumped right into the third act of the, of the, the movie. But considering how much buildup it was, that would have been such a, monumental like thing of like hey look you've got you know like you've had your surgeries you've had the the surgeries that we've already been able to do um but they didn't make it clear that she was going in to try an experimental surgery for uh uh you know so that she could have yeah uh, for a uterine transplant It, it was very much looked at as hey you're getting quote unquote the surgery and you could die and then she did and yeah, and it's fear-mongering. Yeah. Like, well, it's a way to yeah. show cis people that don't understand any of this that your kid's never actually going to become a woman in your eyes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's 
I felt like that was garbage. I felt like if they had shown what she actually went through, that's still not medically possible. Like, we're close to it now. Yeah. We were nowhere close then. Like, we've just um, recently had a, 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 a slight oh, female at birth. So, so, no, keep talking. Yeah. But uh, but I also I also know that I was cutting off V as well. So yeah, uh, actually, um, I wanted to bring up you said fear mongering, and that's kind of exactly the thing I've been trying to figure out. Like what happened to me uh, last night when I saw it, and it was um, you know this might be again TMI medical whatever. Um, I am looking at possibly uh, being able to go through surgery within two to seven months, and. Um, looking at this movie and i understand this movie i understand is hollywood bullshit whatever like even the way you know i'd like to point out even the way that she died in the movie was so like blissfully like hollywood like blood loss and she got faint and then she passed away And then the scarf flies away, and this, or you know, whatever. <laughs> that killed me. Bullshit. <laughs> no, I couldn't handle that scene. Like, no, no, <laughs> let her fly. And I'm like, like oh, I want to die. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm in, such a sucker for a flying scarf. In, <laughs> I mean, I was crying at the end, but not, mm. not for the reason that I think yeah. they wanted me to. Right. Um, so you know, I get that it's all fake Hollywood bullshit, but like, I feel. Like the point and the problem with this kind of fear mongering rhetoric is, I am uh, a trans woman who's done extensive research on like what I'm doing with my life, on what I'm doing um, medically, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, I've made this very conscious decision as a mature adult. And even then, seeing this happen in this movie terrified me. It made yeah. me afraid of going through with something that I made the decision two years ago about now um, to do. And it, I, I feel like it shook me in a way that I just wasn't expecting. And if it can shake somebody who has kind of like an intellectual understanding of what is going to actually happen um, to a movie that we've argued is actually kind of geared towards cisgender audiences trying to understand trans people that has put a very dangerous image in their mind of, you know, these poor trans people who are going to die because they keep on doing these wild impractical surgeries that will end up, you know, weathering Heights style, kill them. Um, Yeah, no, I mean, as, as as a as a trans person who isn't necessarily thought of going through going through surgery in that way, I think that that point definitely was missed on me, and that's you know, and I definitely want to like claim that like you know hold space for all of that and to be mm-hmm. very truthful on that. I'm I think that a flip side of it, and and what and I want you know both anyone everyone in the room and anyone listening, this is not to like say this is not that's not true. It's to say that I'm wondering if also. Part of the messaging is, which is both, bo- and both are damaging, right? Because this is a film for straight, for for straight people, for cis people, not for not for trans folks. And that is all. And whenever we're creating a film for others, but talking about one certain community, that's you know, that's damaging. Um, I wonder if it's not. For me, it's their intention. Because and and I'm only saying this because this is the and is it transphobic podcast and we're talking about intention, you know. I wonder if the intention was, um, the intention was to say here are 
these trans folks and because of you know the fact that we as cis people have not made space to like invest in in learning more about like the surgeries that we're creating if we're if they're ending up having to do dangerous surgeries because there is a reality to the fact that as a as a marginalized people we've had to you know we've had to take drastic measures into our own hands to claim body autonomy. And that's an important conversation to have. Absolutely. I think, and I think that, so it's like holding both in both hands, right? Because I think that it is, it is, it is always dangerous to place a marginalized group of people into a category of the need to be saved pile. Um, and so I find that disturbing. I find that unsettling. I find, um, you know, the need to, uh, the, the need to tell a story in which we are in to need to tell a story of our pain, but not our celebration and our success. That is disturbing. Um, I think, th- I wonder if also in shaping these conversations that we are forced to have with cis people about ourselves, if part of it is that we can tell, like we can say, you know, and, and amongst ourselves as we are creating work that we, we can shift, we can, we can shift these conversations to be more about, the realities of where the system places us rather than the decisions that we are making. Because if you just say, oh, well, all these trans people are running off to other countries to have sur- these surgeries done and like, there's no promise that they'll, they'll, they'll come back from that. It's like, or we're talking about a country that's pushing them out to other countries to, because they need to seek body autonomy. I hear you're coming from, and I think that a lot of that has a lot of uh, merit. And the only reason why um, I'm a little bit hesitant to like, just accept that that's actually what the film was trying to, even if it's failed, uh, express. Uh, and I warned everybody beforehand. Um, one of the producers is um, famous uh, American playwright Neil Labute. And oh, if Jesus you Christ. know anything <laughs> about Neil Labute, um, he is notorious um, as a provocateur. So a lot of his writing, a lot of his work, um, details in sort of grim fascination. Um, kind of awful um, parts of humanity. So um, some notable examples is he wrote a play um, and um, I guess I have to also just warn people that, you know, this Neil Abuse work is highly problematic and highly triggering, so please, you know, uh, we're going to go into um, like body-shaming territories, but he wrote a play called Fat Pig which oh, is yeah, yeah. about mm-hmm. uh, a guy who um, uh, who starts a relationship with um, an overweight woman who's very nice, who's very like funny and witty, and they have a great time together. And at the end of the movie, he dumps her because she's fat. Jesus Christ. So this is the guy who produced, who's one of the producers for The Danish Girl. And I understand that he's not all of the producers of the Danish girl and understand that there was a lot of trans people working in the background to try to like help make this movie not garbage. Mm-hmm. But it's very hard for me to think that this was a path to hell paved with best intentions and yeah. more of a film by somebody who wanted to fetishize a minority. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally hold space for that, for that. And yeah. I, and w- once again, I'm not necessarily saying that it's one or right. the other. I'm not. Yeah. yeah I, yeah, no, I, I I have many feelings about Neil Abute and very few of them positive. Um, so, so yeah. Yeah. I think I'm just saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so, admittedly, Neil Abute. Uh, I know Neil Abute because of The Wicker Man. No, not the good one. 
The one with Nicolas Cage. The one with the bees. Yes. The bees, not the bees! The one where Nicolas Cage spends the entire movie with no direction. Uh, and if you ever listen to his comments, he essentially says that he was given no direction by Neil LeBute. And so Jesus. he just goes on autopilot. And autopilot Nicolas Cage is amazing, but not to make a good movie. That's so, so true. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're not missing much no. of his other work. It's not not a rich world there. Right. Speaking of um, vaguely horrifying and weird things, um, let's talk for a moment about uh, one of the moments that I just threw my hands up in the air at. Um, the tuck scene. Um, <laughs> so the whole thing starts so they've had uh, Lily and uh, Gertrude? Gerda, 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 Gerda. They said her name like once, and I uh, <laughs> did like, what, say it Who like is once. this wife? Like that's all. Wife. I anyway, um, it's, it's Eddie and wife. Yeah, Eddie Redmayne and wife. Oh, but Lord. um, so uh, Lily and Gerda had just had a fight, and uh, uh, Lily or Eddie Redmayne runs back to the uh, opera house or the, the theater and. Does that thing in all trans movies yeah. where stares at themselves in the mirror. Hashtag all trans movies. Hashtag all trans movies. Hashtag dramatic mirror. Okay, yeah. so... <laughs> do do you want to take over? Please. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually totally forgot this scene because you just <laughs> described it. You forgot Eddie Redmayne's circumcised penis? Yeah, I, I actually can't. forgot whether or not it was <laughs> um, I am so mad that I know whether Eddie Redmayne's penis, unless it was digitally enhanced... Digitally uncircumcised. Maybe, digitally, maybe it is. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, oh, maybe, maybe he got How a, a can penis double uh-huh. conversation. That's happened before. People have had penis doubles in movies. Oh, yeah. I, well, well, yeah. The, only, the only reason that I say it has to be digitally enhanced is because it's not up. Because it was one shot, pan up, there's oh, yeah. there's Eddie Redmayne's face. Yeah. So, Half of it yeah. distorted. Also, hashtag dong double is a fantastic, like, <laughs> oh, that's that such a fabulous fan. hashtag. Yeah, yeah right? Ashley. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that scene bothered me. Not... <laughs> Because I'm not going to act like mm. not all trans people with penises do it at least once. Mm. Like, well, I stood in front of Mira. I did it. Like, yeah, in all fairness, for real. Ditto. I, I find from, like, cis men that they do that, too, constantly. That's like, good to know. Yeah, like, it's, it's, I feel like that's not just a, a trans woman thing. Okay. Uh, it's also totally a cisgender man thing. And I, oh, what was it? There was some sitcom where they made a joke about, like... Um, one person says, hey, like, from the bathroom, he says to his wife, like, oh, man, this looks weird. And then the wife says, if you've tucked your penis behind your legs again, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> and it's like, if this is like, I mean, this is a thing. Like, yeah. Sorry, I'd love to I, know I, I what that, feel free to include <laughs> what that sitcom is in the, yeah. in the description of this <laughs> podcast. But uh... I love the idea hmm. that apparently in this sitcom, because this person tucked their penis between, behind their legs, between. it's gonna <laughs> between, between <laughs> their legs, betwixt their legs. <laughs> um, like it's gonna stay there. Yeah, like yeah. it's there for six hours, and you have to deal with you it. You have to like call the what fire have you department. Done? <laughs> okay. Anyways, so Eddie Ren made penis. Uh huh. So let's um, continue with this. Oh, the tuck job that was done because. I feel like we can all assume that. that's the oh, first time no. that 
the character had ever done that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure Eddie Redmayne has done that many times. Right. Not only for the character, but... He talked to trans people about it. He talked to trans people, but you know he did it. Yeah. Um, it was too clean. Yeah. There's no way. Yeah. Like, it's I'm sorry. It's it's gonna look awkward and triangular. And it's like, gonna be there at least at least one. Yeah, yeah it's gonna like, pop you out. Have to yeah. Yep. And, and like, you're gonna it. get upset. Like, yeah. You have like a moment where you're like, okay, this no. no. It was yeah, literally it. like <laughs> fingers between legs, back out, perfect. Mm-hmm. It was a lovely tuck. It was a lovely tuck. <laughs> That like I couldn't even do. Yeah, I couldn't I, do. That. I, I think that I think that I I think that I was when I first saw the film and we're get remember it was a younger time all of a year ago. <laughs> we were all different people a year. <laughs> all so different. Different. Yeah. 2015 um, and 2016 but, uh, different. <laughs> oh God. Um, I want 2016 but, to be over. Yes, amen. Um, but I, I think I. I, when I first saw the film, I really connected with it because it was a moment of like, oh my gosh, I've done that before. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like I hear so few people talking about it. I'm not, apparently I'm not watching the right sitcoms. Um, but, you know, I, 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 it was the first time that I was seeing that and like that, that connected with me and that was part of kind of the moment of like being like, oh girl, maybe you need to be looking at your life a little bit and your choices and your identity and like what's happening. Um, and, but, but seeing it now and hearing all of your lovely voices in my head being like, now! I said... I said, let me look at it again. Let me treat. Let me check in with myself. And I agree that it was in the in the filming of it. I had forgotten how like traumatic they make his face look by like cutting off like half of his face, and like it was this very like Jekyll and Hyde moment. And I was just like, I also didn't understand why you felt the need to run into a public space to make this happen. Part of it was me was like, okay, they're highlighting the fact that all of a sudden home has not become a safe place because of the tensions developing between him and Gerda. And I was like, that makes some kind of sense. Like. I, I mean, I can rock with that. But the fact that you would go to the theater and, like, yes, you had a moment of looking behind yourself, but it's like those those moments of of, ex- of body exploration are incredibly private. Mm. At least, at le- you know, I mean, in in, in developing transness, I, and I may, this, I don't want to just say this as a general truth because it may not be. But I feel like a lot of at least my my understanding of transness and my understanding of my own body is that a lot of that body exploration happens. In a, in a private setting, and there's nothing yeah. wrong with making it public, and we shouldn't feel a desire to hide ourselves. But, but it's fear. But yeah, it, 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 but it wasn't that you were running to a place where you felt safe. You still were, like, traumatically cut in half by, like, this <laughs> shot. You were still, like, you know, looking over your shoulder, like... Someone what, in what, the theater what? was working your lighting. Exactly. Like, Precisely. <laughs> Someone in the theater said, girl, this is not the right tuck. Let's do this again. Let's try. Cut. Cut. <laughs> you know. Oh, girl. Maybe not. Ugh. Um, I'm going to watch that movie. Right? <laughs> that, that would be a lovely Teddy Redmayne in a theater. Just like a, okay, like, yeah. his oh, penis imagine, like, imagine, for like, three hours. Just like the Phantom of the Opera. Just the Phantom of the Opera's in, but disembodied voice, like, coming through the mirror saying, <laughs> not the correct tuck. Just like, <laughs> try again, Teddy Redmayne. Hold you know, hold, please hold. I'm adjusting the lighting. Hold. <laughs> exactly. Just, uh, hold on. Okay, I can see the left side of your face. Yeah. Back it, up. It was too, too much. Too much. Too much. Um. Yes. Yeah, so I think I, that was that was definitely a moment for me of being like, this is so part of you know, mm. uh, a narrative to make, um, to especially make trauma of identity so that, you know rich cis white people can go to their conferences and wave their books and say, raise funding for these like lost trans folks. And that was definitely an annoying moment. So yeah, I'm just 
echoing the sentiments. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers. The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io. The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.